welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. podcast I wanted to discuss terminology. So a lot of the times when we're talking about sensory processing difficulties we might use words or phrases that are new and so sometimes we forget to explain them and I wanted to take this podcast to run over some of the most commonly used phrases and terms that we might refer to when talking about sensory processing difficulties. So, the first one is SPD. It could be sensory processing difficulty, sensory processing disorder, sensory processing differences, or sometimes sensory integration dysfunction. All of these terms refer to the same thing. So when we're talking about sensory processing difficulties, we are referring to SPD. Now, Throughout the years, as more research has been um, completed relating to sensory processing difficulties, different words have started to be used. But also, we talk to children and adults with sensory processing difficulties and we ask them, and we ask them how would they prefer things to be referred to. So sensory integration dysfunction was one of the initial ways that we recognised SPD um, and it was more of a therapeutic approach so um, our senses find it difficult to work together to integrate um, and so that makes it difficult for people to engage and interact with their environment. Sensory processing difficulties, sensory processing disorder, all them followed on through. I tend to use disorder and difficulties. Uh, Disorder helps us to remember what's happening and that the uh, messages are being processed in a slightly disordered way within somebody's brain. And difficulties I like to use because I feel we can support it to be less difficult. Many people now refer to it as sensory processing differences, especially within the autism community and the autism research community. So whenever you are looking for something relating to SPD, all these terms can relate. Okay, the next one, the senses. Now, you might think, oh yeah, no, I know what the senses are. However, when we're talking about SPD. We're not just talking about those five senses that we learn about in school, so smell, taste, touch, sight and hearing. We're actually talking about three more senses and they're internal senses, which means that the messages are recognised and organised and processed from inside of our body. So these are interoception, which gives us information about how our body is feeling, so our emotional state and our body state proprioception 
which gives us feedback to tell us where our body is in space. And vestibular, which gives us information about how fast our body is moving in relationship with gravity. Now, we need our senses in order to understand the world around us. If we have difficulties recognising or processing any sensory information, it will impact the way that we understand our surroundings. So our senses are vital to our day-to-day living. And when we're, we're talking about sensory processing difficulties, we are referring to any of those sensory systems. Someone may have difficulties processing one sensory system or they may have difficulties processing a few of them. And there's different ways that we might recognise those needs. And then that leads me on to modulation. Modulation is a term that we use for people who have difficulty regulating their responses to sensory stimulation. So it can mean that they find it difficult to recognise how much information is being processed. So you might recognise someone as being a seeker. They're seeking out more sensory input. So this can also be referred to as under-responsive. So they might be unaware of a sensory uh, stimulus. Um, They might have a delay before responding to a sensory stimulus. Or responses might be muted or less intensity compared to the average person. Another aspect relating to modulation is someone who is an avoider. They might be over-responsive. So this can mean that they might respond more than other people or too soon or for a longer period of time than other people might be able to tolerate. And then the third way that we can recognise modulation difficulties is someone who craves sensory input. So they're driven to obtain sensory stimulation. They're looking for something but keep it there. But getting the stimulation results in disorganisation. So a craver, we might notice that they go to the thing that they are seeking for or looking for in order to regulate their senses but actually they might never feel that level of regulation where their body is able to focus and to attend and to alert uh, be alert they might feel distracted and disorganized from the sensory information not quite piecing itself together So modulation is the way um, that someone responds to sensory stimulation. So how much information they are processing. They might be referred to as being under-responsive, over-responsive or a craver. Another way that we might recognise differences in the sensory processing difficulties is discrimination. Discrimination can relate to interpreting subtle qualities of objects, places, people or environments. So it might be that they find it difficult to recognise the um, where a sensation has come from, for example. So if someone says someone's name, they might not 
you know, lift their head up or move towards where that sound has come from because they find it harder to locate where that sensation, that sound has come from. It could be the same with an object, so feeling something. So you might put something in someone's hand and it might take them just a little bit longer to identify where that sensation has come from before they then do something with their hand or that object. And then the third way that we might recognise sensory processing difficulties is motor-based. So this might be difficulties with balance, motor coordination and the performance of skilled non-habitual or habitual motor tasks. So we might notice um, a diagnosis of dyspraxia. Some people with dyspraxia would um, describe themselves as feeling clumsy, so they might not notice where an object is or how near it is to the edge of a table, or they might um, find it difficult to coordinate their muscles and joints throughout a space to manoeuvre around. Things like writing, things like um, physical activities can be difficult for someone who has motor-based sensory processing difficulties. Another um, term that I want to explain is sensory characteristic. Now this is something that sensory spectacle tend to refer to. Um, I took it upon myself to not use the word behaviour when I started to educate about sensory processing difficulties because I feel that behaviour has a negative relationship to what it is that we're talking about. So it's really important that we understand someone's specific sensory needs and we can understand a lot of that through the things that they do. And so the way that they respond to their environment and the things that they do tell us what their body is requiring. So how they are then regulating themselves. And this is what I refer to as a sensory characteristic. So for some people, it might be chewing on things. For other people, it might be fidgeting in their chair. For some people, it might be flickering things or wanting to get messy or stomping their feet as they're walking. All of these are sensory characteristics. There's a purpose behind why they're doing it and that purpose then helps us to understand their sensory processing difficulties better. Another term is stimming or stims. Now, this is something that we don't hear as much about now because we are recognising that there is a purpose behind these sensory characteristics, what I've just explained, why people are doing them. The definition of stimming is a repetitive body movement that calms or stimulates the body. And so when we see someone doing something and it's a repetitive movement, so it might be rocking, it might be tapping something. They are doing that in order to help to regulate themselves. So it might be that they're helping to alert themselves. It might be that they're helping to calm themselves. Whatever it might be, that stim has a purpose. And so if we see someone stimming, it's important that we understand that, that that person needs to be able to 
do that in order to regulate. And for, for them, it might be regulating by just being able to manage by sitting on the bus or just being able to manage by being in the classroom or being with this group of people. Support strategies. Um, another term that um, we might not necessarily use as much as we need to. So we might refer to sensory activities and sensory play, but some of these things are quite temporary. Whereas we want to make sure that when we're supporting children and adults with sensory processing difficulties, we think of them as more of a long-term goal. So we refer to the term strategy because it helps us as well as the child or adults with sensory processing difficulties to find ways that suit them to support their sensory needs. So a support strategy could be a routine. It might be that you have discovered that in the mornings you are best to follow a certain routine to help the child or adult get dressed. It might be that the way that they sit in the classroom is your support strategy. So they sit on a certain seat or they have a certain cushion or they stand to do their work. It might be that a support strategy is something which is exploring with their hands and their feet and getting messy and feeling that sensation on their skin. Because for that person, that is what helps to regulate them. That's what helps to calm or stimulate their body in order to concentrate. And then the final term that I want to mention and discuss is the term sensory lifestyle. Now, I've got a podcast all about this. Sensory lifestyle, again, is a term which I came across through an adult who I was working with with sensory processing difficulties. They used it and I thought, yes, that makes sense. So rather than using the term sensory diet or sensory plan, by using the term sensory lifestyle, we're again thinking about that support strategy happening over a longer period of time, i.e. their life. So a plan and a diet all are quite temporary words. They're things that we can put into place and then after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, we might filter things down, we might not do it as effectively as we were doing initially. Whereas a sensory lifestyle is something that we can add into the way that we are doing things already and it enhances our life it enhances our quality of living and so we are able to manage ourselves we are able to regulate better and the child or adult with sensory processing difficulties can recognize for themselves what will support them in different types of settings and environments as they get older so a sensory lifestyle may include activities which you use in a sensory diet or a sensory plan. It will include sensory strategies, but most of all, it's personalised to each individual person. So one person who is sensitive to tactile information and finds labels and seems difficult in their clothing will have a very different sensory lifestyle to another person who is sensitive to tactile information on their skin. 
And so it's important that we don't just use the same strategies for everyone and then we feel disheartened when we don't see them being effective. It's important that we try, try, try and do, do, do in order to make that child or adult's life the best it can be for them in order to regulate them and manage their sensory environment. So hopefully covering those terms has been helpful. Um, This is our third series. I'm really excited about it. We've got loads of exciting topics coming up. If there's anything that you want to hear about, please do get in touch. I'm always really happy to hear from you and you can do that by contacting us through our website. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.